Our second message, message this afternoon is from Mr. Lawrence Gregory. It is entitled, Tongues. Good afternoon. On the day of Pentecost, I mentioned that because of sin and God visiting the judgment on uh, mankind at the Tower of Babel, he confused the languages and separated man over the earth. And we know there are three basic language groups of hundreds of different dialects on the earth today. So. On the day of Pentecost, then when God began to deal with sin and give forgiveness and pour out his Holy Spirit, and he sent unity and the gift of languages so that they could understand and would be brought together to hear the truth of God and not be separated uh, doctrinally or spiritually, but be a part of his family and be a part of the unit that he was looking for. So our interest today is... Uh, not in all the three, all the 36 Bible references to tongues or the 129 Bible references to the tongue. All the various uses of the tongue that are presented in the negative, uh, some of those uh, like uh, a lying tongue, flattering, proud, deceitful, false, forward, naughty, perverse, backbiting, boastful, a world of iniquity, uh, sets of fire, untrainable, full of deadly poison, unruly, bitter strife, a viper's tongue, or contrarywise, we have the wholesome use of the tongue identified as blessing God or good conversation, and other ways that are mentioned by the tongue in a positive way. But the unknown tongue is what we're going to be speaking about today as is modern called glossolalia or speaking in tongues. So I'd like to ask what is and what does the Bible show or recommend? I have two courses. A, an emotional expression of gibberish, stammering, unknown words from excitement in prayer or in preaching, talking, for personal, physical, sensual edification and gratification, or a definite language of correct words under control by the speaker, accompanied by a clarifying translation or interpretation for edifying of others in a godly way. Which one of those does the Bible show us is the correct way? Now, today our focus is not on a documented, psychological, ecstatic utterances under emotional stress. That is a true medical, psychological occurrence. It is not on the pagan cultural and or religious practices of ecstasies expressed in unknown tongues. It's not in the utterances in the Middle Ages in church history of uh, various times throughout the church of speaking in unknown tongues or as is uh, modernly translated glossolalia. Or in the modern times today, in current events, of the expressions of unknown tongues in a religious way. Our emphasis today is on the early apostolic times of the first century of the church experience of the expression recorded as speaking in tongues. Now, briefly, we can do other studies and uh, do examinations more fully on these earlier outbreaks that I mentioned, like uh, the modern Pentecostal uh, uh, expressions that got its origin in 1900 by uh, George Farham in Kansas, and then spread to uh, 
Los Angeles in 1906 by Amy McPherson and then uh, picked up by other uh, religious organizations uh, in the Christian church and was really then in the 1960s pushed heavily by Oral Roberts and other modern day preachers in using and encouraging and promoting in the church the ecstatic utterance or expressions known as speaking in tongues or glossolalia or unknown tongues. Now, we have uh, some history and you can study into all of those occurrences and search them out. There are many uh, other uh, sources that we can um, look at, but I'm not going to do that today. Just want to look at some scriptures here. First, let's go to the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost. And I want to read the first eight verses of Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. Now, this word cloven is not forked like a snake's tongue. This word cloven in the Greek number, and I'm going to use Strong's uh, exhaustive concordance numbering, is 1266, and it means divided or distributed. So it was divided or distributed among all of the individuals there that were uh, keeping the of the church, we'll say the church that we're keeping the day of Pentecost. These look like flames of fire or tongues of fire on the uh, individuals, upon each of them. And this is the, uh, the, the brethren, the saints that were, that were expressing this, not carnal and converted visitors. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Now, let me come back some English words and some Greek words. The word tongue that is translated here in the Greek is uh, Strong's numbering 1100 and it's glossa. And it means uh, a tongue uh, or by implication a language not naturally acquired. Glossa, a language. Now in verse 6 we see here every man heard them speak in his own language. This is a different word here, number 1258, and this word uh, for uh, language is uh, dialectos, or we would say a dialect in English. Dialect, language, tongue. That is the Greek word for this word that is translated language is language, a dialect, a language. And in verse uh, 8, they heard them speak in their own tongue. So we see here that uh, the Holy Spirit was poured out, equally distributed among the believers, the saints. God gave them His Holy Spirit. There was a physical manifestation, and they began to speak with these other languages because there were people from, and, and you can go through the rest of the chapter, see, from many different languages, many different countries that spoke different dialects. And they heard them in their own native language. Okay. Now, let's go to uh, the uh, second reference here in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. Verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Now, Paul uses this word a number of times. He even tells them, don't be ignorant. Be knowledgeable. Know, understand. Verse... Uh, 10 to another he's, he's talking about the gifts that are distributed and given out to individuals various gifts I won't go through all of it. we've talked before about the gifts of the spirit but for this message today 
Let's begin in verse 10. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. And all these, but all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. It's not the person says, I think I'd like to have this gift, I want this gift, I want that. It's what God divides and distributes according to his will. That he gave this when there was a need and when there was a, as there was on the day of Pentecost, to show the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He did many different things as different times. If you're not sick, you don't need healing. Uh, but when there is a time and a need, God does this from his point of view, not from man. We, do, we just don't say that uh, we want to uh, know this. Now, there's another word here that I want to look at, and that word is to another the interpretation of tongues. This word, interpret, is uh, number 1329, and it means to explain, to explain thoroughly, to translate. And uh, let's go to Mark, the 15th chapter. I want to look at something here. Matthew, Mark 15. Mark 15. Verse 34. Now, this one, Jesus was on the cross about the sixth hour, just before his death, and one of his sayings. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now this word here, interpreted, is number 3177, and it is to explain, to translate. Interpret. Now, in the dictionary, you can go to the dictionary, as I did, and you can copy out the word, look at the word translation, and you can look at the word interpretation, okay, from the dictionary. Here is interpret means to explain or tell the, mess, the meaning of, translate, elucidate, to act as an interpreter, translate, Translation, version, rendering, construction. And uh, then the word is uh, for translate in the dictionary is to render into another language broadly to interpret into another medium. So the word translate and interpret is used interchangeably. It's the same word, means the same thing. Now we use the word like uh, we... Uh, give an interpretation that's uh, in context a meaning and exp explanation. But we also use a word-for-word -word translation. It's just like we've heard about uh, UN interpreters or UN translators, or you have heard about uh, uh, from one language to another that uh, translate or interpret. We use it interchangeably. And so the uh, emphasis here in 1 Corinthians 12 of the gift was the pouring out of the interpretation. That someone had a gift of understanding that language that was spoken. Maybe they couldn't speak it themselves as an expression, but they could hear and understand and interpret, and then they could speak in the other language so that people would understand. Now, to clarify this and to explain a little more about this, let's go to uh, the... Um, 1 Corinthians 13, uh, in passing. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 14, but just to get to 1 Corinthians 13, 1, just have one verse here. Though, Paul is saying hypothetically, supposedly, just perhaps if I spake or I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Okay, we need to understand what he's very clear. He is not saying that the languages that we're using or hearing is the tongue of angels. He's not saying that. He's not even recommending 
Now, we don't know, but we suppose that angels have some kind of language that they can communicate with one another, because when we have heavenly appearances and uh, 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 revelation of God's throne, we hear a lot of noise and a lot of discussion and a lot of uh, voices and sounding going on. So it's uh, either God talking to the angels or the angels and the living creatures and the, and the uh, elders around about the throne and all this activity that's going on, the communication. So we assume that we know angels can speak in a language that humans can understand, but we don't know, and Paul is not recommending, and he is not saying, now this is something very important, Brett. Paul is not saying that when we hear languages and tongues spoken, that that is angels, that that's the men using angels' language. It's not what he's saying here, is it? So why do some churches say this glossolalia is people speaking angels' tongues? Or just speaking uh, an unknown uh, gibberish. Well, let's proceed here with uh, 1 Corinthians 14th chapter. Now, this is, um, we're going to look at the whole chapter here and read through this. Let me move my Bible down here. And uh, we'll go through this, this whole chapter here. 1 Corinthians the 14th chapter. Follow after, uh, first, uh, let me see, first five verses. Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. Prophesy is inspired speaking. Okay? For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, and now, we need to know this. You'll notice if you have your King James, unknown is in italics. Everywhere this tongue is used here it's unknown when it's I mean when it's in the unknown it was added by the translators who were trying to explain or just add this is another tongue or a foreign tongue or a strange tongue or it's an, uh, an unknown tongue a, a different language he that speaketh in a tongue or a language different language speaks not unto man but unto God for no man understands him howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and to exhortation and comfort. These three things. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. I would that you all spake with tongues. Now we've got to remember this. This is a definite language. But rather that you prophesy. For greater is he that prophesies than he that speaks with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edification. Okay, now, let me go back to my separate list here. Speaketh, speaking. The word is 2980, and it is uh, the word that is translated. Let me, let me get here. Um, utter words, preach, say, speak, talk, tell, utter. So the word is speak or we use the word like in the church. Uh, in, in fact, I had a call from um, Wynn Skelton with Church God International. Wanted to know if I or some of the elders or someone would like to speak at the Feast of Tabernacles in Harris, Harrison, Arkansas. And I need to check with some, some of the speakers. Now, we use the word speak and speaker interchangeably with preach or preacher. We don't use the word preach or preacher a lot in the church, do we? We use the word more speak. We have, spe we have speakers, eight, nine speakers that speak in the Tulsa congregation. We could say we have eight preachers that preach in the Tulsa congregation. It's the same thing. Speaking and preaching is the same in the Greek, the same thing. Now, in the context, you've got to look at to see whether it's talking or just uttering or talking or preaching because sometimes you can preach, other times you just talk. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about this later. Okay, now, continue on here in, uh, let's see, I want to go, let me see here, uh, the next uh, three verses here. Let me put this over. 
from verse 6 through 9. Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? Except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine. What good does it do me to just stand up here and speak a foreign language if you don't hear doctrine, teaching, understanding, inspiration, encouragement, edification, for improvement, for advancement in this life? If you just hear a different language, what's the profit? And even things without, uh, let's say, uh, now brethren, except I shall speak to you, yeah, either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine. And even things without life giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, how shall you prepare who, who shall prepare himself in, to the battle? I hope you excuse me, brother. I've got marks in my Bible like you do. And sometimes it's hard to read over my marks, coloring, different, different colors, and uh, like you have in your Bible. And sometimes scotch tape where it's covering torn places or worn out. So bear with me a little bit here. So, likewise, you, except you utter by the tongue words... Easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken, for you shall speak into the air. So the purpose is to speak, and this word is used, understand, is used a, a number of times of understand or understanding. So the purpose here is, when I'm speaking up here, is to help us all understand rather than confuse, rather than babble a confusion. And uh, so... There are, when we, when we hear the trumpet, like you're in the military, and you hear taps or reveille or charge or withdraw, or uh, Ron probably knows more about. I've, I'd like to have uh, a recording. If anybody knows where you can get a recording of a military bugle sounds, you know, I'd like to have that. Because sometimes, I, like in the, you're watching an old Western movie, you can hear the charge. Or you can hear taps, or at the funeral, you know, they'll play taps or so. But... Uh, those bugle uh, that the military play, they have different significance, don't they, Ron? Okay, yes. So, uh, and Fred, and those, how many of you in the military? Okay, so you understand those. If we, if we get up here and play a bugle charge, <laughs> you know what that means. Okay, if we have, if you have any of that, I'd like to have that sometime, just in passing. Okay, uh, so we know and recognize those sounds for what they signify and they tell us. And so if somebody is speaking in a foreign language and we don't know and understand what they're saying, how are we going to be edified? Or maybe they're going to have a charge or a good feeling or whatever, but how are we going to know? Okay, uh, I want to continue on 10, 10 through 17. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world and none of them is without signification. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaks a barbarian, and he that speaks shall be a barbarian unto me. Even so, you, forasmuch as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Else, when you shall bless with the spirit, how shall he that occupies the room of the unlearned say amen at your giving thanks, seeing he understands not what, they, what you say? For you verily give us thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church I had rather speak the words with my understanding, that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. So now, we, we can only surmise from Paul's records of his writings and his travels in the book of Acts and his other references in the letters that he wrote, 
It seems that Paul could speak Hebrew, Greek, maybe Aramaic, maybe Arabic, maybe Italian, maybe Latin, maybe the Turkish language, maybe some of the northern Turkish up toward Bulgaria and there where he went north of Greece. Maybe he could speak some of those. Malta, when he landed on the island of Malta. How many languages did Paul speak? I don't know. It doesn't say. But he did say here that uh, I thank my God. I speak with tongues. I preach or I talk, however you want to interpret or translate, however you, you want to interpret or translate this. I speak or I preach with languages more than you all. Because when he traveled, he needed. And I, we, uh, we see that uh, he, could, he could preach in many different areas where he traveled. So it seems like Paul had the ability to speak a lot of different languages. Now, speaking in languages is to edify the church, the group, not the person. So a person can get a sensual, physical charge out of doing something special. And uh, I had a minister tell me that um, he had a lady in his uh, congregation or, or the group that uh, would sing special music in a beautiful voice. But she would tell him, you know, I only want to, I only want to bring a special music when I can feel like I'm worshiping God and uh, contributing to the, uh, I'm, I'm just paraphrasing his words as we talked about, uh, contribute to the overall benefit of the congregation. I don't want to be up there every week just as an entertainer. I don't want to be just up there showing off my talent. So when it comes down to this, brethren, speaking in languages and tongues, what is the purpose and the motive? Is it to show off and edify the self? Oh, I can speak all these languages, or I've got this great language that I can use, and I'm just doing all this? Or is it rather, like Paul said, I had rather talk to you where you can understand what I'm saying and benefit and everybody be edified? Therefore, I'm going to, as he, he's saying, speak where everybody can, can benefit and be edified. Now, uh, I thank my God. Oh, okay, I, I think I got ahead of myself in this section a little bit. Uh, yet in the church, uh, a thousand words unknown. Brethren, be not children in understanding, howbeit in malice be you children, but in understanding be men, be mature, grow up. We don't need these. What do, you know, I. Let me say this cheerfully. Parents, adults, there's a time to quit baby talking to your children, isn't there? It's a time to start talking like an adult, mature language to your children. Goo goo ga ga, go go dad dad. Go go, dad dad, mama. Yeah, mama and dad dad, okay. Goo goo, gaga, potty. <laughs> There's a time that Paul is saying to be adults. What about children? Children speak in gibberish, don't they? I never really. Uh, well, okay. I won't tell it. 21. In the law, it is written with men of other tongues and other lips. Will I speak unto this people? And yet for all that will they not hear me, says the Lord. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. For prophesying serves not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. If therefore the whole church be come together in one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that you are mad? But if all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all. Uh, 
And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest, and so falling down on his face, he'll worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you has a psalm, has a doctrine, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. Now, I'm going to come back. Because in verse 21, it says, In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. Now, what we want to do is, this is a quote from Isaiah, the 28th chapter. So let's go back to Isaiah 28. Now, for sake of time today and this message, I'm not going to do a thorough exposition, explanation of Isaiah 28. But we're going to read in verse 11. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. Now, here's the context. You'll have to go back and study it. Paul, uh, Paul, Paul. Isaiah is condemning Israel and Judah for their drunken leaders and their misuse of their leadership. And so he is warning them and telling them about the invasion. And there were numerous invasions, especially against the Northern Empire by the Assyrian Empire. And then later Judah was taken captive by the Babylonians. Stammering lips from Isaiah. You can go back and check your translation. It means the same thing. It is language. It is a foreign, strange, harsh language of the, Germ of the Germans, of the um, Assyrians. And their lips or their language. And so what Paul is quoting here from Isaiah is that um, let me go back to First um, Corinthians. He's talking about languages here and being uh, edified, taught, explained, encouraged, comforted by understanding what is said not by just a foreign language, a stammering lips, stuttering lips, not speaking in an unknown tongue. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about stammering, a foreign language. Lips, a language. Check up your Hebrew and, and Greek both in um, the uh, verses here. Now, verse uh, 20. Let's see. Okay. Verse 27. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, since the unknown is the italics uh, and it was added by the translators and it's not in the original, I'm just going to leave it out because some translations say strange or foreign or different. If any man speak in a language, foreign language, let it be by two or at the most by three and that by course and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Let the prophets speak two or three, and let the other judge. And if anything be revealed to another that sits by, let the first hold his peace. For you may all prophesy, one by one, that you may all learn, and all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets." For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. That's why in the congregation, the church of God, we're included in that. This is why we do that. Now, go back to 27. This is why we have one or two or three preachers orderly in the congregation. Sometimes we have two sermonettes and then a sermon. Or sometimes we have one sermonette or one split sermon or sermonette, depending on the whole day, and the sermon. Two messages by course. If there's no interpreter, okay, now, let me do a little bit here. How many of you in here can speak Russian? Okay, one person can speak Russian. Suppose we had ten hands went up 
Well, they would have to understand a little bit. But they couldn't speak, they couldn't understand English, but they could understand Russian. Okay? Ilya, would you come up here and translate and interpret my English into Russian? Come up here. No, stay there. Okay. I, I was doing it for illustration. It says to be quiet in the church, not to be doing this. Doesn't it? If there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. So, Ilya, in your Russian, you don't have to get up and run around the church building and speak Russian and all that. See, You speak to God privately. You pray to God privately in Russian if you want to. Now, if we had Russians here... And I ask, see, it's under control. It's orderly. It's by order. You come up here, please, and interpret what I'm saying in English into Russian. Okay? Do we understand that, brother? That's, what, that's what's going on here. This is what Paul is saying. Now, if there is no need, don't do it. Because if you stand up and start speaking Russian, and who, who speaks other languages here? I speak a little Spanish. Okay? What do you speak? French. Okay, what other languages besides English? Suppose I started speaking a little bit in Spanish, he starts speaking in French, he starts speaking in Russian, and we get up here and we're doing our dance and we're really all excited and we're, we're really getting charged up. What does that do you? What's it teach you, doctrine or teaching or edification? Yeah, we're edified. Boy, we're something special. We got tongues. We got the gift of tongues. This preaching or talking or speaking, see? We use that interchangeably. That's why it's controlled. It is, uh, let, the, let the prophets speak two or three. Now let's talk about this a little bit. Okay. We've got some prophets in the church. Inspired speakers. Inspired preachers. Suppose I'm explaining something and maybe I'm not doing a very good job of it. And Steve, you raise your hand up. Okay, raise your hand up. Uh, what do you want, Steve? What do you want to say, Steve? Okay, you're going to add to what I'm saying to clarify it. Okay, well, when I'm finished, you come up here and kind of add. Don't you be getting into interrupting me and discourse and everybody. Suppose, suppose all of you. Now, I know, I know this, brethren. Sometimes we go over doctrines and we go over teachings. Us old time people, we've heard it all, haven't we? No, we haven't. But we think we have. And so you're back there sleeping, you know. Or maybe, maybe you're just like me, meditating. I, just, I like to... Now, I'm going to explain something so you know. If you look over here and you see me with my eyes closed, I am not sleeping. I am listening, tuning out everything else, and I'm listening to what the speaker is saying. And you know, you've heard me come up here and correct the speakers... And you've heard me later talk to the speaker and explain a little bit more and add some help. Haven't I done that? But I try to do it orderly. I don't jump up and say, hey, stop that right there. Unless it's a false prophet. Unless it's a false prophecy. I'm going to say, get out of here. Like I've had to do. Go somewhere else. Get your own crowd. God's got this one. You go get yours. So, Steve... If you have something to add, raise your hand. And I look at Steve, Barnabas, Ilya, not in Russian. Okay, do it in both. Yes, he can interpret to himself. See, he can interpret to himself. Uh, if any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or three at the most, and that by course, and let one interpret, or himself, and let him speak to himself and to God. Speak all the Russian you want. You, you just talk Russian till you're blue in the face. Or whatever. Privately. Now, can you understand Russian yet? J uh, Jacqueline? A little bit? Okay. See, he has to interpret, doesn't he? Translate. How do you know he's telling you the truth? <laughs> when, he says, when he says those sweet words in Russian, how do you know what he's saying? Better get your Russian dictionary and check him out. Prove him by the fruits. The Bible, we check it out. We say, is that man telling me the truth? Because I can understand it. 
But what he's up there, he's talking in another foreign language. I don't know what he's saying. I can't pray. I don't know whether he's telling me the, 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 the truth or not. That's why, unless there's an interpreter, keep silent. How many churches have said, is there an interpreter? Before they, but no, they try to get the drum beats going. Uh, excuse me, Ron. They try to get the music going. They try to work up the emotion. They get the exhilaration. They get the ecstasy. They get everybody falling and really excited, and they start gibbering and running around the church building. And I've been in those Pentecostal meetings. I know what I'm talking about. You know, you've been there. How many of you have been there? You know. Yeah, those people, they really get a good charge and they really get excited, but what about the people that's sitting back there in the back? And boy, they're kind of kooky here. What did I get into? Okay, let's continue. Uh, let's see, where, where did I leave off? Um, verse 26, I think. No, 27, 30, 33. Oh, I left off in verse 33. Oh, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Verse 32. That means it's not un, out of control. It means I'm in charge with God's spirit. Yeah, he inspires, he encourages, he presses. He can make it real uncomfortable for a man or a woman if he wants to, to get his point across. But we are not uncontrolled. We're not out of control. I don't just break into speaking in a different language when I'm up here, do I? Have you ever heard me do that? No, because I'm in control with God's Spirit. Uh, up to a point, because sometimes I say things I wish I hadn't said. I say things that later I regret. Why did I say that? You know, or I wish I'd said this. I wish I'd said this in a better way. If I could have said this in a better way. Every preacher knows that. We would we'd like to do it in a better way or explain or not say something or, or stick our foot in our mouth or, you know. Uh, I've kind of made a resolve to try to be more professional and more serious and not pick on women so much <laughs> and not beat up on them and tell jokes at other people's expense. I, I'm trying to, I'm working on that and my wife says, oh yeah. But that's, that's my resolve. I'm trying to give it to the end of the year, see if I can work it out. That's kind of, I'm, I'm serious. I mean, I'm, try, I'm going to try to, oh, a little natural humor is okay, but contrived, forceful humor where I tell things to embarrass some of you or embarrass myself. I've done that, haven't I? You know, you've been around me a long time. You know that sometimes I've, you know. But... That's carnal, and that's natural, and that's a human thing, and it's a failing, it's a weakness. And I'm, with God's Spirit and His help, I'm going to try to become more serious and professional in the pulpit and not do those things. I, I still want to enjoy a good joke and good Ken and I and good humor and good laugh and natural humor and, and some fun, have some fun. But you know what I'm saying. Okay, God's not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of God. Now, verse 34. Going to have to bear with us a little bit in this. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also says the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Okay. Is Paul saying, women, keep your mouth shut when you come in the front door and don't even talk? No. He's not talking about fellowship and talking. He's talking about the word preach. It is not permitted. That's why in the church of God, we don't have women preachers. Women can teach privately other women in their private, but in the church when we come together in a collective assembly, women are to remember their husband and the uh, order that God has put in the family, in the home of the wife being submissive to the husband in all things. And so in order to avoid confusion, then the women don't preach. Now, women have Bible studies, or women have 
private teaching sessions with the children or the other young women or other women, that's okay and acceptable. But we don't have group assemblies where women come up here and we have a woman up here preaching. We just don't have it. I think Loma Armstrong set a good example of her private influence on Herbert Armstrong. Whether you think it was good influence or not, I'm, I don't want to get into that. But what I'm saying is she would never would come behind this pulpit if there was some honor or recognition. She didn't want to come even be up on the stage. She would not do any public teaching. Loma Armstrong. Remember that? She would try to encourage and influence, and she had a lot of influence on her husband. Now, Amy McPherson, Pentecostal origins, 1906, in the livery stable in the Suzu Street there in Los Angeles. Ellen G. White, false prophetess, false visions, lying wonders, and then they had to change it. I'm sorry. We've got to recognize those for what they are. So, let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted to them to preach. They are commanded to be under obedience. If they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to preach in the church. I don't care how many women preachers, vicars, vicarettes, how many congregations they pastor, listen to this. What? Came the word of God out from you, or came it unto you only? If any man or anyone, if anyone, thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant still, or let him be ignorant. Now, so that we are clear. Am I browbeating women? No. Are women equal to men in salvation and opportunities? Yes. Can there be many women that have tremendous knowledge and understanding and ability and doctrines and, and, and understanding of the scriptures? Yes. All right. Are there many things that the women can do in the church of God? Yes. Are there many things that women can do in the church of God besides preach? Yes. Are women encouraged to do those things? Yes. Are women permitted in the congregation in the church? Yes. Are they permitted to preach? No. No. No women preachers. Do you understand what I'm saying? How many understand me very clearly what I'm saying? Okay. Now, we have informal Bible studies, we have women's Bible studies, we have women's prayer. That's okay. I'm not going to those. Does that say I have anything against the women that are doing it? No. It's according to the scripture that I'm trying to follow. Okay. So, women, don't invite me to your prayer sessions or to your <laughs> Bible studies. If you want to do it, have them get together. Boy, women praying, you know, I'm glad for women to pray together and benefit the church and edify the church. I'm glad for women to study together and learn to be a better woman and to be a better wife and to be a better respecter of the home and the little children. That's what they're learning and that's what they're doing better on. Have I said enough of that? Okay. Yes. Pounded that into the hole, didn't I? <laughs> I don't leave any doubts. You know, Lawrence Gregory, where I stand with women preachers. I had an aunt that was a woman preacher. <laughs> if you have a problem with that, you've got a problem with Paul and the Bible. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophecy, forbid not to speak with languages, let all things be done decently and in order. It's decent to have order in the family, in the home, in the church. Uh, brethren, we had a family that quit coming to the, our congregation because we were so well organized. I guess they wanted to come to confusion. This is why we have these meetings over here before services. You see us coming out of there laughing or, or whatever, or we pray, we talk about. 
So we're all on the same page. Everyone who's serving the congregation, when we, we know the song leader is leading us. And he has the order of the service. And, and he's, the, he's the person who sets up and organizes the prayer and the songs and the special music. And so that the congregation, so that we're, uh, don't worry, we have some more time. So that we have, uh, we have order in the congregation. What if we just came, okay, next Sabbath, uh, we didn't know what was going on. Just forget the schedule. Forget who's playing the piano and the music and the guitars and the drums. And suppose I came up here on the drums. And uh, Elian, you know, he started running around speaking Russian. And uh, nobody brought any food. And we didn't know what was going on. And, well, we're going to show up here about what time? Well, let's go at 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> or maybe 4 o'clock in the afternoon. You come 4 o'clock, everybody's going to be gone. So, okay, I'm being facetious, and I'm rubbing this point home, and I'm driving it home with a pile driver, and I'm trying to help us understand why we have order, and why we don't have confusion, and why we don't have babble, and why in the Tulsa congregation of the Church of God, we're, we're like the other churches of God, in that we listen to what Jesus said, we listen to what Paul said, we listen to what Isaiah said, we listen to the word of God and the scriptures. Now, I'm closing. This is why we don't use unknown tongues. The gift of languages is from God. Where and when it is truly needed to edify, to teach, to explain, to give understanding to his word of truth. 